Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I know I say this a lot, but I'm constantly excited about the guests that I have on the show. I'm really excited about today's guest, Alicia Sinclair. She's also a certified sex coach. We went through the same program with Sex Coach You and her Dr. Patty Britton, but she took a different route. I mean, she'd already been in the sex toy industry for a long time. And when she saw that there were some holes to fill in that industry, specifically about pleasure education, she went and got her certification and then started her own companies. She's the CEO and founder of Children of the Revolution, which holds the brands B-Vibe, Lay Wand, and The Cowgirl. Whew, man, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward. Okay, actually, you gotta listen to the end of the episode to find out what I really, really want. She believes heavily that education and pleasure go hand in hand. And if you don't feel like you have learned enough about anal from my podcast, then you need to check out their anal academy they have on their website for B-Vibe. B-Vibe, also one of my favorite brands. I have their anal training kit in my office to show off to clients. I've never used it. It's literally just to show off to clients, okay? I've got office toys. I have home toys. Also included in this episode, we talked about overcoming vibrator objections and what's next in sex tech. Also, since it's Women's History Month, I asked her about women in history that she looks up to. Look look for that in each episode that I have this month. I really look forward to the day that I get to meet her in person because I feel like I made a new friend. I know you're going to love this episode. If you are not local to the Kansas City area or just have not had a chance to pick up your copy of The Pitch, you can catch my article virtually. Just click on the show note. We'll have it there. Or if you happen to be on any of my social media channels, you can click the link in my bio and get to it that way. March's topic was all about aging and sex. You should be having sex until the day that you die. Really, truly, your sex life should never have to end just because of age uh, or changes in ability. In my column, I talked about how less sex doesn't equal sexless. There should be no expectation that you'll stop having sex just because you've been together for so long. But then I also talked about how to keep the fires of desire burning, how to prioritize intimacy and connection, and how to deal with aging and the changes that are inevitable with your body. And when you're in a long-term relationship, that is just part of partnership, right? Being there for one another, shifting, changing, adapting, and doing what's best for each other's bodies. With whatever it is that you're dealing with at that time. All right, let me keep this one short so we can get right to the episode. Always remember, you are welcome to shoot me an email if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or potential show topics. Or if you'd like me to answer one of your questions in a Q&A episode. Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com Please enjoy this interview with Alicia Sinclair from Children of the Revolution. All right. I am very excited to have Alicia Sinclair on the show today. Uh, Alicia is a founder, an entrepreneur, and one of my favorite people out there in sex tech. So welcome to Keep Them Coming. Thank you. Nice intro. (laughs) So you are a CEO of 
a company that has a few brands underneath it. It's called Children of the Revolution. And this has Lewand, Cowgirl, and B-Vibe. And I am just curious, how did you decide to become a, a toy founder? Like what got you into sex toys? So my entire professional life has been based in this industry. I kind of, like, as I say, slipped on a banana peel. I graduated from college and this is how old I am. <laughs> I answered a Craigslist ad. Um, I was looking for, you know, work. I was going to go back to school, kind of where I had my eyes set. And then I ended up uh, working as a, I started as a receptionist in a pleasure products company. And then at that time, so we're talking 2002 was my first, was when I originally started. There weren't a lot of women and there weren't a lot of, um, I think people didn't consider it a career and it wasn't a, a place where a lot of college educated folks were. Um, and so I was promoted pretty quickly and I learned a lot about the company and I ended up uh, becoming a salesperson. And so that's really how I got, I started learning a lot about pleasure products. And in that process of, you know, be, you know, starting as an assistant, then becoming an account manager, um, you know, at one point I moved and I took a job as a vice president of sales. I like, this is a long period of time. Cool. Um, but I love the industry. And I found that there was a big gap between the folks that were designing, manufacturing, selling products, and the sex education industry, there actually weren't many sex educators um, mm. in the industry. And in 2015, the company that I was working for was acquired by a private equity firm. And uh, excuse me, that was in 2013. And then in 2015, they decided to let all of the staff go. Mm. And so at that time, I had been really inspired to become a sex educator. It was already in process. And um, that led me to starting my own company because I had just been through, you know, like you go through acquisition processes. It's a lot mentally. And I was ready. I was like ready to do something different in the industry. And that's how we formed Children of the Re Revolution and then started the three brands. That is fantastic that you saw a gap and decided to do something about it because I feel like it has been in the last 10 years, especially that there's been a big shift from just um, like glittery jelly-like vibrators to having something that is non-phallic, something that is higher quality, and also brands that come with some education along with them. Yes. So how did, you, how did you start integrating sex education and pleasure education into all of this? So originally, when I was still a salesperson, we in our marketing department, so at the company I worked at prior to founding COTR, we had hired a sexologist who was from the Kinsey Institute. Mm -hmm. And she and I went on the road. Uh, there wasn't a lot of education in retail stores. And so we would do product trainings. It's very common in our industry. She, we would take a two-hour block. And normally, you would share that with the, there'd be two manufacturers. We would take a two-hour block. She would do a sex ed boot camp. So it would be like anatomy, common questions, like sexual issues, like, you know, like things that people would come into the store sort of seeking help for. And so we educated retailers um, about these things. And then I would follow with a product training, sort of combining this information. So that's really how I got started. Um, later, as I said, in the during post acquisition, though, you know, Unfortunately, that incredible human being was uh, let go from the company. And I was just so angry. That's when I became 
a certified sex educator. And then as we started COTR, it was always my mission. Number one, we started with B vibe. That was actually our first brand, which is a all but toy brand. And so I just saw a huge opportunity hole in the marketplace um, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to like fill everything with information because it's a category of sex that is um, oftentimes associated with pain. Um, people don't know a lot of, didn't, there was definitely not a lot of comprehensive sex positive information available. And so what we did was we created a little guide to anal play that's still included in every one of our products, it's non-gendered. Um, so like anybody could read it regardless of their sexuality or orientation. Um, and that was, you know, that's, as I said, still included in every item. And then we launched our blog, which if you've been on B-Vibes blog, I think it would be safe to say it's probably, I think, one of the like leading, if not, like, I'm very proud of it. There's yeah. every, we now call it the Anal Academy because there's just so many different resources. There's podcasts, there's live workshops, there's blog articles. We even filmed Butt Stuff Basics. So that was really where my passion went into for sex ed. I just saw that as a huge opportunity that people weren't talking about. And because um, butt stuff is really the equal opportunity orifice, um, there was a real opportunity to also make it an inclusive and safe place for many people. So it became a way for me to really express a lot of my values um, and create a mission in the brand. And I think you know, for anyone who's been in a career path for a long time, at some point you kind of question, is this what I want to be doing? Is this who I am? And I was at that stage in my career. I had been doing it for, I've been in the business for 15 years. And that really solidified the fact that I was like, yeah, I can make a difference. This, this is like my passion, you know, like I can put education, I can like change the way that people think about this category. And I can do that through not just the consumer's experience, but their retail experience when they go into the stores, the way the packaging looks, the way the information is provided on the on the boxes and so on and so forth. Yes, absolutely. Can I ask what year was it you founded B-Vibe? So we founded COTR in 2015, and then we launched our first product, our first brand, which is B-Vibe in 2016. Okay, because I was going to say, I remember in about 2017, that was when I started with Sex Coach You. And that was kind yeah. of how I first heard about you. Yeah. And, you know, I started going to the stores more often and looking at brands. And I had, had of course, gone into sex toy stores before that. But I noticed a difference in the way that your products were not only displayed, but the information that came with it. Most butt plugs are just the butt plug. And it tells you to clean yeah. it. And that's about it. But it doesn't give you any specifics about how to actually engage with your very first butt plug. Right. Yeah. Or like that you need lube or that like, you know, here's how you do an enema. If you're like worried about poop, which believe me, everybody is because it's the number one question <laughs> of anything I've ever done ever. And everyone that works for us has answered the same question. So yeah. yeah, it's kind of cool to know that like we're oftentimes somebody's like resource, you know, for empowering that experience and people's lives, couples lives, you yeah. know, like all those experiences. Yes, I have the um, anal training kit in my office. So yes. that I can get it out, open it up, show it to people. It has like the lube launcher and the enema, you know, thing is part of it. And yeah. then a huge guide that's got so much information. I've gone through that guide and walked people through, okay, when you get yeah. this, this is what you're going to do. And they feel so much more comfortable and more empowered to explore butt stuff. And I 
love what you said about obviously that the butt it's the one thing that we all have the yeah great equalizer in the bedroom we can all get pleasure from booties so thank you yeah it's funny yeah my pleasure believe me <laughs> make my job easier for sure with having that that information like they don't have to try to recall all the things that I told them in an office setting they've got it right yeah. there so thank you for that my pleasure literally <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it is women's history month and I want to take a second to acknowledge you know a little bit of the history of the vibrator for those of you listening mm -hmm. that don't know the vibrator was first created by male doctors to cure hysteria which we know isn't a real thing these days but they were using it to using vibrators to get their patients off um to ease their anxieties all these other like weird different things but obviously the vibrator has evolved over time um but what are some of the main, I guess, lingering attitudes about vibrators that you think mm -hmm. stop people from choosing to explore their sexuality with a vibrator? Because I've definitely heard some objections, but yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you think is kind of lingering from some of that, I guess, puritanical viewpoint? I think um, the number one things I hear people talking about is that they won't ever be able to have what they call normal sex again, mm -hmm. um, meaning that they won't be able to orgasm without a vibrator. Uh, I think that, that's a really big concern and valid, I guess, you know, if you, like, my question is always like, but why would you want to? I'm <laughs> just, just saying, if something's feeling really good and you're enjoying yourself, I'm not really sure why you would want to do it without it, but and why do yeah. they have to be mutually exclusive? Right. Can't they just be integrated? Like a vibrator, different kinds of vibrators are yeah. during different kinds of sex. Yeah. Like I was like, now my husband, my longtime partner, now, um, we used to say like, should we kick it old school today? You know, like, like no vibrator or like, you know, and that is different positions. So like, as you explore your sexuality, maybe there's certain positions, you know, that you can experience orgasm without a vibrator and certain positions where, you know, are like gonna, you're going to see stars, especially if you use a vibrator, you know, like, so like, that's kind of the fun thing is like, I, I have a lot of friends and they know what I do and uh, are still extremely shy to talk about it. And I am just always trying to remind them like your sexuality is like so fun to explore. Like don't limit yourself on ideas that like, I'm never going to be able to have normal sex again. First of all, like no sex is normal. You know, like just get that. It's like when somebody's like, what's your best vibrator? Well, that's also like subjective to your body and what you like, you mm -hmm. know, there's no best. There's only like, you know, maybe what people are most familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. There is no normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I'm with you. When I, when I hear that, oh, but what if I can't orgasm with just a penis? Are you orgasming right now with just a penis? It, that, yeah. That's sometimes what you want to remind people. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And why would you like, why does it, ha why do you have to like, who, who, it's only you, <laughs> it's only you and you're, you're whomever you're, you're having sex with. That's it. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So I often get people to try vibrators for the first time, especially when I get them to understand what the orgasm gap is or the pleasure gap mm, yeah. um, that really got highlighted in that 2017 study by Frederick at all showing 
there's about a 30% difference between heterosexual couples and how often the male-bodied person or penis-owning person orgasms versus the vagina-owning person. So 30% is a pretty big gap. Yeah. And one of the key things that they showed in that research too is that when the female-bodied person utilizes a vibrator, the gap Mm -hmm. is reduced. But what are some of your favorite positions and favorite mm-hmm. toys to utilize like because I mean we even as sexologists or sex educators we know our we've come to learn our, about our bodies and we know what we need you know to get off so this isn't just about like us yeah but also we're going to talk a little bit about maybe personal experiences in you know, <laughs> so like what yeah what are some of your favorite toys and positions to help close the orgasm gap between you and your partner um so I would say like, uh, you know, if I'm like my go-to sort of favorite that I know is going to work every time is I'm a wand person. I like an original sized classic wand, um, hence the wand. <laughs> that is my like go-to product. I like the the head of that. If you're not familiar with why wands are so popular, aside from being readily available in the marketplace, it's quote unquote back massagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a big, the big broad head. Um, it, you know, pinpoint vibration is uncomfortable for me. So I like big, bassy, deep vibrations that sort of like resonate in the body. Um, so wands really work well for me. And I think doggy style position is probably got to be one of my favorites, specifically with a vibrator. It's not something I would enjoy otherwise, um, because there's otherwise no clitoral stimulation. Um, unless right, it's manual of some your hands, a vibrator, whatever that is. So that is my like go to like my scene stars position. I love. I think that's probably our our classic. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. You know, do you want me to keep going, or you have one? I would love to well, hear. Well, like I also love a wand, and my seeing stars one is like being on my back, my legs over him, and he's behind me because again, like, yeah, I was trying to say that different toys matters. Yeah. I love, I like, and then, cause then you're kind of in a position where your hands are free. You don't have to support yourself. Like one of the other person's hands is free. Yeah. So like you can be having, you could hold the vibrator. The other person could hold the vibrator. That's a great, I love that's my, that might be my runner up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you've also got some really awesome smaller toys that are not valid. It's one thing I love about your brand. So many people don't want a phallic vibrator, a phallic sex toy. Yeah. Um, so some of the smaller ones too, if, if something larger and heavier, isn't your thing, you've got some of these smaller toys and so tell me about some of the, how did you come to develop some of your smaller toys? Like, did you have studies? Did you have people come in and trying, what was product testing like for that process? <laughs> product testing is always fun. I should say, but the, the mini vibes collection which was the next the next uh, segue from wands. Um, that was really about, you know, we received a lot of feedback that people wanted smaller products. Um, and so those are what I would say are the classic, you know, handheld shapes, a bullet, a mini bullet, uh, a two prong, right? Um, so basically something that can lie on either side of the clitoris or play with nipples. Um, and then we have the point, which is one of my favorites. That's almost like a little pebble that can fit in your hand. Um, and the double vibe, which is really powerful, um, similar, you know, dual motor product. And so those are all, uh, and they're all made of chrome steel. So what I like about them is they really are like jewelry. They have the same 
feeling. They look like jewelry. They're a little bit heavier. So I like that because you get less of that buzzy vibration. Again, more base vibration. And they fit really because of the weight. They'll they stay a little better. Um, you can play with both sides. You have like, you know, a silicone side or something that's smooth. So like those are really the thoughts, the process of how are people going to use these, right? And also like we have to consider always what a, co a consumer is comfortable buying. You know, I we can, if you ask me, some of the best products that we make are the stainless steel products, but that's by far not our highest selling category because people uh, don't feel comfortable purchasing those products, right? There, that's That's, I think, when you're in a, 201, maybe even 301 stage of your pleasure product experience, you're like, okay, I've tried silicone, I've tried that, like, so in any case, my point before I like, digress, my, really, what I'm trying to say is we're, we're thinking about what a consumer is going to feel comfortable purchasing. And so we, we make shapes that are familiar, we create a little bit higher power motors, more settings, um, you know, package it again, those all Come with an informational guide in them, you know, a guide to using many vibes. So um, most of the products are all about what we feel, where we feel there is a demand in the marketplace and where we can be a market leader. If there's already something there that we feel that is, for example, we would never develop a suction toy, in my opinion. That's not something that like is missing, you know, but yeah, a lot of times product testing is also about giving it out to staff and to sex educators. And then once we've gone through two rounds of that to give it to what I would call civilians, people who've never used products and then let them test them and come back to us with comments. I'm sure it's not hard to find people who have never tried products considering the amount of objections that I hear out there, but also the yeah. sex toy industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So um, there's a fair amount of people out there who are accessing these, but also a wide variety of people out there who have yet to access toys. So yeah, we talked about one objection there with, you know, how to you know get people into toys, but I'm also thinking about some of the couples out there again, going mm -hmm. back to closing the orgasm gap there, you know, an objection that I have heard from couples is, you know, he isn't going to enjoy me using a sex toy with him. It's going to make him feel inferior. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So yeah. what do you think are some of the best ways to overcome some of that fear that he's going to, I guess, be jealous of the sex toy? Yeah, the be jealous and be replaced. I, mm -hmm. That's what I've heard is that the vibrator will replace you. Well, I mean, I just always like to remind people that, you know, um, chocolate sauce tastes great on ice cream, right? It doesn't have to be sort of one or the other. And I don't want to get into like a long psychological conversation, but if your partner isn't interested in your sexual pleasure during sex um, and is worried that something's going to help you achieve orgasm is going to replace them. I think that's an insecurity that they need to deal with. And, you know, and also just like on a side note, it's really sexy to watch somebody else like play with themselves and maybe, you know, starting with something like mutual masturbation. Mm -hmm. might feel safer, right? Like um, watch, you know, for example, I'll use my dynamic in a heterosexual couple, you know, like for me to masturbate and watch my husband masturbate at the same time. It takes sort of away the responsibility of the other person pleasing the other person. We 
teams get to watch each other be pleased and learn about um, what the intensity of the stroke looks like, or um, you know, maybe how long it takes them to come to orgasm or, you know, like, like what different positions they put their body in, because you can replicate those and like, you know, have fun with it and like make it better than they, you know, like that's, and it's the same way. Like you would want your partner to understand where on your body, uh, you know, vibration or pressure feels good and in what position you can really achieve an orgasm. So you can look at it as a way to like, just empower your, your sex life with your partner. and. I always like to remind people the better sex that you're having, probably the more you're going to want to have it. So <laughs> your partner should be invested in your orgasm, like just for their own yes. orgasm, you know, like it, yeah. it's cyclical, you know, the better the sex, like the more you want to be a part of it. Yes. And also, even if she's having more orgasms on her own with these toys, the, the neurotransmitters in that feeling of sexiness it gets increased anytime that you're starting no matter who your orgasm is with by yourself or with your partner if you're having yeah. more orgasms you want more sexy time overall and like the replacement thing sir if you think that a toy is going to replace you what else are you bad at like right and like a human body you know like a person kissing you and Yes. you know, It'll you know, feeling a body on top of a body and also like all of the intimacy that comes with having a partner that does many other things with you, yes. you know, it's, it's not a replaceable thing. So absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. I've never, ever had any client ever go like, Oh my God, that toy was so good. I don't need my husband anymore. So yeah. I also try to tell guys, do you or ask them this? Do you have a screwdriver? do you also have a drill? They always say, yes, you can uh -huh. use the screwdriver for the same thing. The drill does. You're just going to do it a lot slower. Right. Yeah. Right. It's going to take a little more time. They usually right. get it after that. You're right. That's a good one. I've used like toothbrush before. I'm like, you could brush your teeth manually, but the screwdriver one is brilliant. Yeah. Cause it relates <laughs> to the tools. Right. Yeah. Yes. Very smart. <laughs> I, I, I of course, I try, I'm not trying to laugh at anyone who might have these objections, but it is a little bit comical to, to hear that particular objection to me. Like you're, you're really fearing a toy. Like, let's talk this out a little bit. And I think that it really boils down to masculinity. You know, like they, I would say, you know, uh, yeah. men have been taught for a long time that they're supposed to be the person that like gives pleasure and it's like part of their manhood and so I can understand the reasoning well if I can't give this orgasm there's something wrong with me and that therefore you know I don't know if people are consciously thinking about that but that's how I see that and I do have sympathy for that but like take a second and logically think about right like this could also be really fun for you like this yeah. could be really fun and if you're if you're significant other is really and you can go into sex sorts together like you could say okay I'll pick out a toy and you buy lingerie or yes. I'm gonna try some let's try something new tonight or I mean this is and you think a vibrator is just one thing like there's an entire category of products like bondage gear you know and I say that like not just you know like handcuffs and ties and you know like there's little like you know there's just so much fun to be had and like if you really like limit yourself you're only gonna have 
theoretically, you're only going to have sex with this person, right? Unless you have an open relationship. But let's say for the most part, the majority of us are having sex with one other person. Mm -hmm. So like make it adventurous, like, you know, like give yourself a little bit of fun for your own personal needs, not just for your other partner. Yes. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. I think a lot of that stems from there's such a lack of sex education. And in the absence of education about pleasure and the variety of things that can produce pleasure, guys tend to use porn, right? They tend to use conversations with their friends. And they're not getting the education about pleasure that they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And it is hard. I mean, again, the the information isn't really out there. You know, like pornography is, it's fake, you know, it's meant to, right. It's just like a romance novel, maybe for a woman, you know, like it does, it's a fantasy. And I, you know, like, yes, it's cool. You get split, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into that fantasy. Like the fact that someone's paid to do that. Um, that's being left out of your conversation, you know? So you just have to remember this is not real life. And if you have a partner that does all those things with you, that's cool. And I hope you're using a vibrator with them. Yes, 100%, 100%. So what do you think is next in sex tech? We've seen a big change and there's a lot more products out there that are especially of higher quality uh, and better body safe materials. But yeah, what do you, what do you Mm -hmm. see as being the next phase for sex toys and sex tech? A lot of people are talking about technology upgrades, like what that might look like. Um, you know, products that replicate more human, uh, sensation. Mm -hmm. So that, and we've already seen a big, I don't know how popular they are in like the general consumer (laughs) category right now but what we've seen is really interesting right so things that can replicate the sensations of fingers more accurately um mouths more accurately um even vaginal canals or anal canals so we've seen like mechanisms that do that so i think we might see that technology um become more and more readily available at like price points that are affordable that's kind of you know sort of how that works in any tech you know in any part of technology or consumer electronics i also am curious i don't i've seen some of it but it's not really been utilized in our industry quite yet but um you know vr is we do have some companies that are using virtual reality experiences and i wonder how you know, AI may also become, become involved in that. So I think all of these things, I think these are, I think the next stage is really going to be technology upgrades. Um, You know, in my dream world, it would be, you know, the ability to market ourselves (laughs) to consumers, but I think we're way far off from that. So I think in the meantime, we'll continue to develop better and better technologies to replicate different types of sensations. Um, What effect that will have in general, I'm not a hundred percent sure in the sex toy industry, right? If that will be what it looks like now, or if that will be something that's more um, like virtual reality based. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. My very first podcast episode was actually about VR porn. Yeah. And I'm sure it's come a long way since 2019, I guess when I did that episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you that I think that the integration of either the the toys or things like that with 
VR and some form of AI to where it's so much of porn oftentimes is it's based on what they think the general consumer is going to like. But mm. if you don't like things such as being called names, something that's sort of derogatory, yeah. or you, you want like a different viewpoint, those are harder to come by. So how do you figure out what this individual consumer wants to see, what they want to hear? A porn gets ruined for me as soon as it goes from ass to mouth. I can't do it. Um, like, <laughs> like nope. but I, I can't, if I'm watching the free stuff and even sometimes the paid stuff I watch, I can't always avoid that or know that that's what's coming next in the scene. So yeah, I suppose one thing that I would like is for AI to know me as, as a viewer and what yes. turns me on and how do I, how do I program that? Well, maybe it's because it watch, it goes through my history on this website or something. I don't know, but yeah. There's got to be a way for the experience to be better, but I, I wish that there was a way for that experience with VR, all that to be, uh, I guess, more feminist, more, yeah. you know, just not degrading or no derogatory, but not turning to yuck someone else's yum. If you want to be called a dirty little slut. Okay, cool. But then there's so much stuff in there that is especially when it's fake, when it's VR and it's not real people that were filmed. It's just, yeah, you can make it do anything. And then I worry about what some younger consumers could be seeing in that industry because it, yeah. something, it, to try to get people to pay people to do certain things, like we're old enough to have seen two girls, one cup. Yeah. It opens the door to a lot of uh, moral questions that we don't really have the answers to. and you know, we're all sort of an experiment right now, <laughs> like how technology is going to affect all of us, because let's face it, you know, I was, I, I got my first iPhone when I was 24 years old. So that was less than 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see a hundred years from now when they do, you know, studies on this time period, what those results are. But I think with some things that are alarming that are sort of not really, but are also part of this conversation is the AI relationships that are being had romantically. Mm -hmm. And if those, like there are real dolls that are already able to talk and respond and like sort of what are these, like what does that look like in the world in the future? And I don't know if I would consider that part of the sex toy industry mm -hmm. um, because I think that's a completely different category, but they are, they do segue, right? Just like the adult film industry does. So it'll be, yeah, I think the world is in a very interesting place in all marketplaces to see what, how everything flushes out, but it will definitely be an interesting next five to 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to try to come out to the show in July in Burbank. Oh, cool. And, and see you all and see some other toy manufacturers, see what's going on. Um, just for the listeners, I haven't really said much, but I've got a, I've got a plan brewing for a new business. So, um, yeah, we got to come out and see sex toys. That's all I'll say. Excellent. So, well, and circling back to women's history month, um, who is a woman in women's history that serves as inspiration for you, whether that's in sex tech or just history in general. History in general. I mean, I think Oprah is pretty damn <laughs> trailblazing, you know, like she's always my go-to as someone who really just like 
did her own thing and did it her way. And I think has just the things I know about how she runs her company and how she treats her employees um, and the tremendous amount of success she's had and like who she's represented in the world. I think she's done an excellent, excellent job at doing that. I mean, I have other folks that I like, for example, Eleanor Roosevelt are like, I want to say quote unquote president, you know, that like <laughs> ran our country for a bit, which Beverly never gets much acknowledgement for. I think a lot of, you know, I have a book just of her quotes and I know that's like a really weird, like not sexy person for me to be talking about, but like just some of the things that she says have always been really helpful for me, like as just a, a human. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really admire like what she did at that particular time, you know, so I think that's, and then, you know, the folks at Planned Parenthood, I think, you know, they, I don't know that people realize um, that they're responsible for, I mean, during college, I, that was the place that I got birth control, that I got my um, pelvic exams that, you know, literally served as my healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that they get the amount of credit because they do abortions that they deserve. And I think they really take care of women and have provided um, true family planning for them. And I don't want to name what, like there's every person that's held the baton at Planned Parenthood has done incredible work. So I just think as an organization and all of these sub offices that are run, like these, every single one of them is like going (laughs) sort of against the grain in their community oftentimes and the amount of um the, like you know discrimination that they must feel and I think is it's pretty like I don't know pretty incredible what work that they do. Agreed. I've also received health care from Planned Parenthood, never an abortion, but plenty of exams, plenty of tests, plenty of just help and support with my sexual health or just my pelvic yeah. health. Like Sometimes we're not just going in there because we're having sex. Sometimes we're just having an issue. And it's we a true medical. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the doctor's office. That's yeah. the main thing. They weren't even really doing abortions until the seventies as an organization. I mean, they're, they used to go door to door, just helping folks yeah. with family planning and medical care. So I think you have to really give them credit for what they've, they've built and made available to a lot of lower income folks in our, in our country. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, the way that I typically wrap up my show is with an Ask Coach Kristen Anything segment. And it always looks a little bit different when I'm talking to someone that is in the industry versus just like a friend. So I always say that this segment is your time to just get my opinion on something, maybe settle a dispute (laughs) or ask for a friend. Hmm. Ask me anything about When do you think is a good time to talk to kids? I have a daughter, she's 18 months old. And so I'm, I'm like, when is a good time to start talking to her about her sexuality and about, you know, explaining um, what sex is and relationships? Like, when do you think is a good age to start doing that? Well, I think it has to be ongoing and it has to be, of course, age appropriate. Um, yeah. You know, things like when you're first, when she first really starts to understand that concept of mommy and daddy, like you are parents you mm-hmm. created her you know, that comes fairly early and when you start having to answer questions about especially like how did how was I made how are babies made you know those questions can either be ignored or they can be explained in just the most basic scientific ways and I think a lot of times parents to get caught up in the 
um, how am I going to explain all this rather than focusing on just answer the question either that they present or address the thing that comes up as it happens. Yeah. Um, like for example, my cousin's son saw on my phone, I had like a 3d clitoris in my hand and that was my wallpaper. And he was like, what's that? And I looked at him. I was like, are you ready for me to explain this? He's like, go for it. Okay. I've tried to talk to him about stuff and he won't listen. And I just looked at him. I said, well, this is a 3d model of a clitoris and it's for pleasure. And it's something that women or people who have vaginas have. And he was like, okay. And then he walked away. Yeah. So keep in mind that at times you're just going to be giving those quick little lessons. And as long as they're factually basing, like you don't have to launch often into a big explanation. Sometimes the simplest answer is going to be the best. Like mommy, yeah. where did I come from? Well, uh, you came from my body and we made you and we are parents. Mm -hmm. Parents don't always look like us. Sometimes they look like two mommies. Sometimes they look like two daddies or two other people that aren't mommies or daddies. They're neither. So I think that there's lots of great resources out there to help with ages and stages. But one of my favorite books is actually by a sexologist that you might know, Dr. Lene St. John. And mm -hmm. she wrote a book called um, Read Me a Parental Primer for the Talk. Okay. It's much more about helping parents understand their own stuff, which you probably have a great handle on your stuff. Maybe your partner can use some more support with that, but it may just give you some more like, okay, I feel confident knowing these things. I'm going to be okay. But then she also lists out some really essential um, pillars to talk about things like communication. Um, she talks about fantasy. She does address porn. You know, that's going to be a yeah. much later stage thing for you. But, you know, in the early stages, she's talking about how it is about checking your comfort levels and yeah. knowing that sometimes things are going to be awkward and that you do just kind of like, okay, this might be awkward, but we're going to talk about it. Um, you know, I'm sure you're going to do all the things like proper body part names. Yeah. We tell her already, like, she's kind of to that stage where, you know, she'll, she'll she touch it, you know, like it's normal. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, babies want to like, what's this thing? It's down here. Yeah. You're touching it all the time. You're changing diapers. So we just tell it, that's your vagina. Your and vagina, like, you know, like we tell, we like, yeah, we use all the right terms. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like so I don't, much. I try not to tell her she came from my tummy. She came from my uterus, you know, like we try to make sure that she uses, but yeah, it is to that point where, and, and I've, you know, I obviously would never like shame her for any, but like, it's like when I think I'm curious, just because I want to, you know, I'm always like, what's the right way to do this thing or that thing. And even as a sex educator, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not like a sex educator for children. My, right, you know, my specialty right. is pleasure. And so like, how do I make sure that I educate my child in the right way at the right time? Right? Like, when is age appropriate? Like, am I gonna know? But it's a, it's a, that book sounds like maybe I should <laughs> delve a little deeper. I also have this book actually that's called great mentoring and it's from planned mm -hmm. parenthood and this does have an outline uh this is a really great resource that i've used but also to go back to there probably is no right or wrong way 100 mm -hmm. percent right? right it's a balance between being proactive and bringing things up like boundaries and consent and you don't mm -hmm. have to hug someone you don't want to hug and your yeah. body is your own body 
um, you know, those little things when they're three and four and they're starting to become aware of bodily autonomy versus the consent conversation when they're teenagers. Like if she says no, or if he says no, that means no. And your yeah. no should be like, it gets firmer, it gets expanded. But uh, I know for a lot of well, clients I've educated with about their kids and then just seeing my friend's kids, a lot of it is just, you're going to have to go with the flow in the moment when they, you know, start touching like themselves. Let them lead the way. Yeah. yeah. But also do be cautious as they get to like the 10, 11 mark, mm-hmm. they'll stop asking questions. So you're probably okay. going to start guiding. Being her. proactive. Okay. That's useful. Yeah. <laughs> That's useful. I had a, I had a friend this weekend approach me. was like, we need help. We need a book. So I'm, I'm reaching out to some other friends here, but their seven-year-old is like touching herself and orgasming, but then peeing, but they're like, Hey, so like, you know, you're doing this and this is normal. She's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. You so she's completely shutting down and denying it. Yeah. Like, so know too, that no matter how sex positive and how open-minded and communicative you are, your kids are also slightly just wired the way that they are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> While those two, you know, probably never imparted any shame or belief that masturbation or solo touch was bad. This little girl has picked that up from somewhere. So like, I'm going to help them try to dissect that and get through that, but yeah, nothing is going to probably go the way that you think it will. Sorry. That's what my husband always says. He's like, the biggest problems are the ones you don't know about yet. You know, the ones you haven't thought about. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So oh, well, it's exciting. <laughs> this has been a wonderful interview. I am so appreciative of your time today. And, and of course, I want to give the listeners an opportunity to, to find your products. So how do they find you? Um, on the website, you can go to bvibe.com. That's be like, but bvibe.com or lawanmassager.com or ride the cowgirl. And it's pretty much all the same handles for social. So it's, you know, bvibe underscore social, lawan massager and ride the cowgirl. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't actually end up talking about the cowgirl during this episode. That's true. We didn't. <laughs> let's, let's round out the episode with a little bit about that product line. So, you know, it's when I show people that website, they're like, oh, oh, oh. oh so tell us yes. what that is, what you got going on with cowgirl. Well, I think that's really, I mean, it's like a showpiece of a sex toy. You know, it's literally the size of like, you know, a small stool. So um, it is an insanely powerful vibrator. And at the time that we redesigned and uh, rethought that particular product, there were like kind of half barrel products that were similar to that. Uh, we call them riding style sex machines. That's the category. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were other things on the marketplace. There still are obviously, but they're like very old, often very um, like heterosexual and sort of, if I'm being really honest, trashy looking. And so our goal was to make the product of ours is a little bit bigger. It has a, a saddle style seat. It's more comfortable. It's just rethought from uh, the eyes of the rider, if you will, the most mm. oftentimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the person who's actually sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we made all, you know, just a lot of small touches. 
that, you know, you would expect from a product that comes from COTR, you know, like just everything is modeled after high-end musical equipment. So like everything removes really easily. It has handles, it picks up, it moves. It has an app, you know, like you could use it in, you know, virtually like across the United States from one person to another. Um, It works for camming sites. So, you know, people can tip cam, you know, cam models and watch them. But it's really like the, oftentimes people ask me who buys this product? Well, I mean, I can't really answer that question. I don't like, but I, I would say buys your large... product. girls who grew up pumping pillows and teddy bears. Exactly. exactly. That want to be, that's the only product that allows you to be in a rider on top position. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can choose to have an insertable attachment or something that's just vibration. Um, but when I tell you, like, y- you've heard this expression before, I'm sure full body orgasms, you've heard that. Mm-hmm. this is like such I mean it's literally like think about a motor of like I know this is like might scare people but like or like like the motor is the size of like it's like you know it's so like the vibration power can be felt like if we turn it on at a trade show like the booth next door is like eh, like what <laughs> is you can feel it and like that type of intensity in your body it's pretty cool so it's something that if you you know personally want to explore you're like really interested in you know elevating your orgasm or putting on a show for your partner a lot of people use it as a way to explore um threesomes right as like sort of it's so big that you can have this almost like third body type experience Mm -hmm. so it is that product it's it's really a showpiece and it's it's definitely a commitment but I think like it's if you're if you can have one you're really in sort of like pleasure products paradise yes yes (laughs) Yes. The cowgirl is goals for me. That's like, I've been trying to be like less of a consumer. I do get a lot of free product, obviously, but when I, when it comes to purchasing my stuff, I want to make sure that I'm getting high quality products. So it is on my list. Well, Uh, I know a girl, (laughs) I know a girl. (laughs) So it's, it is something that when I have shown people, they are just like, Oh, blown away yeah yeah that's I had never thought about doing that but I need one of those like yeah ASAP so thank you again thank you for everything you know both the the world of pleasure but just in sex tech in general um again I I love seeing the changes that we've had over the last decade and your companies have been a big part of that so thank you for all you do I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being my guest on Keep Them Coming. And uh, maybe I'll get to meet you when I get out there to California, one of those shows. And I'm counting on it. Okay. Perfect. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.